to Telling the Tale. We are back in a regular schedule, baby. My name is Mitchell Farley Wolf. I'll be your host. And there's another host. Hello, Dustin Jackson. Hello, Mitchell. I'm I'm so borderland, so let's get this show on the road. Okay, were you I'm bored sorry. by playing the game, or you were you bored in your life and want to talk about the game to become less bored? Like, what what kind of vibes should I expect from discussion of the game with you today? I was bored trying to think of a joke to start this episode out, and that was the only thing. <laughs> That's interesting. That proves you're sentient because you were bored, and then your solution was to think, oh, I'm bored. That is a thing I can talk about. Uh, <laughs> That's some yeah. self-awareness right there, some self-analyzation. Yeah, we it was talking... also a lie. I'm not bored at all. I'm excited. <laughs> well, we were talking about the bored Erlands because we're talking about Tales from the Borderlands Episode 1, Zero Sum, originally released on November the 25th, 2014, directed by Nick Herman, who's a name I, I feel like we're starting to hear a couple times. I, I feel like we've uh, brought that name up. Yeah. Um, maybe a couple episodes before yeah i don't uh, remember where it came up but me neither I, I saw it in the credits and i thought i knew who it was and then it turned out i was thinking of nick jameson who is mm. a voice actor right you do you do do that a lot he was the uh, original max in sam and max hit the road so written by pierre Chorette and adam hines and designed by mark darren very common name around here yeah and steve mcmanus Steve McManus. I don't know who that is. No, I, I don't. I don't either. But it's a fun name. Yeah. McManus. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I ain't kidding one bitten. So, Dustin, uh, elephant in the room. Neither of us have played any of the regular Borderlands games. Wouldn't it be funny if it turned out that I had played all of them and I was just lying about it? Yeah, it would be funny, and just based on my understanding of your video game play style, it would be entirely unbelievable. That's true, yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought it was time to go into Tales from the Borderlands for two reasons. Um, and, and I mean, I say I thought. This was a joint decision, of course. Uh, but two main reasons we're doing it now. One, it just kind of feels like the next chronological leap after... Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us. This is the next kind of big one. Yeah, we've, in, we've uh, chronological order. We've kind of hand took. Uh, we kind of handled all the other games before this, so I, I I don't know if there was like any other ones we skipped before this, but like there's one more CSI game. Oh, uh, and Law and Order. <laughs> oh boy. But, uh, but uh, besides yeah. those, like we've done like most of the old Telltale games, the old style of Telltale games are all out the window, right? pretty much yeah uh i mean who knows what law and order plays like that's true <laughs> literally no one in the world could know that uh <laughs> but uh yeah the, we're, we're solidly in the telltale picks a license and puts the walking dead formula on that license era which i think a lot of people think of as the heyday of telltale the really the main era if that's you will. That's very interesting. I feel like among my group of friends and the people I associate with, they consider like the era of Sam and Max and stuff the heyday. But it does make sense. This is what they stuck with for a while. This These games are really what were their like big ones, I think. Yeah, well, I think Sam and Max has a cult following, but it's worth remembering that 
nothing before The Walking Dead sold nearly as much as The Walking Dead. Right. So it was the stuff after Walking Dead that got the most attention. And you know what? I know some people disagree, but I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing to just take that working formula and throw it at an IP as long as it works. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see some problems emerge, yeah. I bet. Um, but in the abstract, is it okay to take the same kind of gameplay and, and just keep writing stories in it? I I think it has to be, because if you look <laughs> at the novels in the world that are coming out, they're all the same format. Uh, yeah, they're know, all chapters books. of a story written on paper, and <laughs> it's just a different different writing makes them feel different. And uh, I think if that is true, why would this not be fine? Why would yeah. this not be a, an okay thing to do? I will say it turns out not to be an okay thing to do. So maybe there <laughs> is some problem with it that we're not quite isolating. Yeah, uh, I, right I just now. think in my personal opinion, I don't have any problem with taking this formula that works and seeing what IPs it can work with. Well, I think I think the big problem is that when you're doing... Something like this. As a studio, you have one formula you really like, and you're applying it to a bunch of other stuff. You would probably anticipate that you're going to have a fan base Mm -hmm. that really likes that formula and will follow you to all that different stuff. And I don't think that happened. Yeah, I think that people, um, for for some of the earlier stuff in the formula, maybe they'll they uh, they would have tried it out if they didn't already know about it, such as. The Wolf Among Us and Walking Dead Season 1 because those things got such positive word of mouth. But as time went on, there was like, okay, there's a Batman one, there's a Borderlands one, there's a Guardians of the Galaxy one, there's a Game of Thrones one, there's a Minecraft one. Yeah, people got pretty burnt out on this style. Yeah, it, it, it's not, I would argue it's not just burnt out. It's like, okay, you've almost forced me to only pick the one or two franchises I know about. Or uh-huh. I think I would like. Right. And so you're not you're not establishing a fan base that would follow you. So anything risky you do in the future, you don't have that established. Oh, well, people love Telltale. Like they do, but they Telltale fans had already learned at this point to not follow the company because they uh each of these games feels very catered to that franchise rather than telltale fans right no i totally agree because i do really like this style but like i had no interest in playing like game of thrones i'm not gonna get i have no interest in game of thrones why would i play it yeah well i actually have a lot of interest in game of thrones and i still didn't play it Um, (laughs) so i guess that says that speaks volumes yeah, I for years I thought of the Wolf Among Us as like, oh, that's a cool name for something, and I like the art style and the the brief bit about the world of it uh, that I knew I really liked. Still didn't play it until this podcast, right? It's in, it's interesting to me because it really does feel like these games aren't that big a commitment. You could just buy like an episode and try it out and see if you'll stick with it. So it, it it's interesting that even that doesn't didn't end up pulling in like a whole ton of people you know it's interesting i think games might use the fact that they are a big commitment of time in order to guilt you to get through it because if you pay for a game especially in a time before game pass or anything like that then you want to get your money's worth you you want to get your money's worth 
Uh, right. Especially because this is before Game Pass, but after Blockbuster. There really isn't any kind of culture of saving money on games in a way that matters yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get some used copies at GameStop, and sometimes Steam does massive sta- uh, sales, but you're at the whim of availability and corporations doing sales. Right. Versus just renting a game or having it on a subscription. That's that's crazy to me. Like, I know the times change, but uh, to me, like, renting games was a huge thing. Like, back in the day, I would just rent a oh, game, yeah. and I would know whether or not... I must have rented Conker's Bad Fur Day, like, three times before I actually got it. And same with, like, the Banjo games. Not that I didn't want to buy them, but it was just so easy. I, like, lived next to a Blockbuster, and you could rent them, try them out for a dollar... And then buy them if you wanted them. And nowadays, people just don't have that. Even even demos, it feels like, are a rarity. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, demos, I think... Demos have a good reason, I think, for probably not making it into the modern era in the same way they used to exist. Mm-hmm. It's sad, but I, I totally get it with demos. Yeah. Um, because that's a lot of extra work for the developers to make a whole different skew of the game. Right. Um renting is just just a tragedy renting renting is just a a really sad thing that went away yeah and like it still exists here and there like i i brought it up before how like our library lets you check out games over here so technically we can just rent games to try them for free but that's like i said that's a rarity that's not like a grand scale thing anymore no and i know for a fact that my library does not do that yeah exactly Mm-hmm. It's sad, but what are you going to do, you know? I guess cry. Um, yeah, I guess we'll talk about Tales from the Borderlands. I guess we'll talk about Tales from the Borderlands. So the first reason is that, like, it entering Tales from the Borderlands, I think, signifies, oh, we, we've passed the membrane of this era that was The Walking Dead Season 1. Now we're real in it. We're, we're yeah. really in the... There was a... A veritable smorgasbord of all of these really quickly produced, but still pretty high budge, um, Walking Dead style narrative adventure games. Right. In I w- all kinds of franchises. I would say Walking Dead going forward, Telltale games were like high priority games. Like, not. That might be the wrong way to word it, but, like, they were pretty, like, well-known at that point. They were... Yeah. Uh, in a way, they weren't before that. Like, I well, love For the first couple Hedge, years but... of it, I guess the first couple years of it and then the last couple years of it are very different. Because the first couple years of this era, I remember any major publication, any like, uh, game journalist publication, when they're collecting their... Um, anticipation lists like what am i excited for this year what am i not excited for mm-hmm. they'll always talk about the telltale games and then at the end of this era they're like no nah, we don't even care <laughs> we're, yeah. we're not even maybe we'll talk about the walking dead seasons because that's a continuation of something that was part of the public consciousness mm-hmm. but not the new thing we're not talking about guardians of the galaxy that that's so interesting to think about how there was a very small period of time where Telltale Games was on the top of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this game is in it. This game is in it, um, and it's cool to watch it happen. It's cool mm-hmm. to watch 
this is the, the the first thing I'll say about the game. It's just neat. It's like a neat yeah. looking game because it's so big. It's mm-hmm. the biggest I've ever felt like a single Telltale episode has been, at least in terms of uh, grandeur, maybe? Maybe, yeah. maybe not physical space, but there's a lot that happens in this episode. There's a lot that happens. It's a long episode. It's setting up a whole world for anyone that's just like jumping in. Is it the longest episode? I don't know if it's the longest episode, but I I just mean it's a pretty long... It felt like a pretty long episode. Yeah, I remember... I keep thinking of uh, Bone the Great Cow Race is something that I remember taking a really long time to get through. It's been Um, so long, I could not tell you if that was (laughs) like 15 minutes or four hours. And another thing that kind of tricked me with the length of this game is that uh, you get achievements if you're playing on Xbox, which I was. Mm-hmm. that pop up every time you complete a chapter of the episode. So there's you... episodes in the season, and then the episodes themselves have chapters. I think I know what you're going to say. Are you going to say how like it took forever for the first one to pop up, and then the rest of them yeah. popped up pretty quickly? Yeah, episode or chapter one took place in like five different areas, <laughs> and maybe it took maybe an hour. And then I was like, that's chapter one? Are there only three? And then if you told me at that time... There are six. I would think this is insane. But then, right. like ep- chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, they're like way faster after that. I guess it makes sense. This does have kind of a lot to set up. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot more to set up if you don't know anything about Borderlands. Exactly. It does have a short little uh, thing at the beginning saying, like, "Hey, here's the world. Here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. All right, here you go." Yeah, and I'm sure it, it is more complicated than that made it seem, but I did appreciate how good of a job that little intro did. Yeah, I felt like I at least like understood what I was getting into, and like I wasn't lost in the story or anything. Yeah, and for anyone else who might not know what Borderlands is all about, there's this planet. It's called Pandora. This uh, Pan- Pandora has these vaults in them that were set up by an ancient race of people called the Iridians. And in those vaults, is just a ton of impossibly valuable treasure, uh, but you can't get in the vaults without a special vault key. And there's people who dedicate their lives to treasure hunting to find these vault keys and then open the vaults. They are called vault hunters. And uh, I, I looked this up just to make sure my hypothesis was right. It was. Vault hunters are basically who you play as in all the regular Borderlands games. Right. Uh, so you're playing people who are trying to get into these vaults, but then there's uh, these rival companies, and there's all kinds of con artists, and uh, just bandits and, and ruffians of the highest order all over this absolute trash planet called Pandora that you're, you're going to run into a lot of people. And in Tales from the Borderlands, you play as two characters. One is Reese, who is a company man. He works at Hyperion, who is one of the antagonistic forces of uh, of the main games. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fiona is the other one, who is who grew up on Pandora and is like a con artist. She's a street urchin kind of character. And, I thought, uh, I thought yeah. that was so cool. I had no idea you played as two separate characters. I think that's awesome. Is this the first? It's not the, it can't be the first Telltale game where we do that. Dude, what? It's almost all of them do that. <laughs> Does it have you switch between, like, two different players in all of them? 
Wallace and Gromit and Sam and Max and uh, Lee and Clementine and uh, I mean a lot of them. To be fair, Sam and Max isn't until season three, <laughs> okay. and, you, and you barely play as Max. Okay, you are you do, almost you always partnered. Uh, even in the CSI games, you always have a partner. Um, yeah, but I didn't. I wasn't expecting it to like flip between two different characters' perspectives. I guess that is cool, and I, I think it, it gives this episode a lot of nice flavor. I'll uh, reserve judgment on it giving the game a lot of flavor until I see what the other episodes are. But yeah, I, I also like that a lot. The second reason, this is a long way around to say, the second reason we're playing Tales from the Borderlands now is because new Tales from the Borderlands came out. That's true. That also uh, happened. Yeah, I think that during this podcast, we should do our best to play any new stuff that crops up as it happens. Okay, I think that works. So we couldn't do that this time because it happened along the same or around the same time as uh, Monkey Island. Uh, can can I just say I think it's crazy that that just so perfectly lined up because Return to Monkey Island did not have a release date when we were playing through Tales. Mm-hmm. We just were thinking, all right, well, we better do Tales because Return's coming out soon. And then Return came out like right after we finished <laughs> Well, as perfectly as it lined up for Monkey Island, it, it did imperfectly not lined up for Borderlands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because this new one came out, and we can't rightfully play the new Tales from the Borderlands until we've played old Tales from the Borderlands. I think it's still part of the conversation, though. Like, we're still playing a Tales from the Borderlands to get to the new one. Yeah, and uh, so I think we're going to do new Tales from the Borderlands right after this, which would make it the first time in the podcast that we've ever gone directly from one season of something to another season of the same thing without anything in between. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For those uh, telling the tale historians out there, that's a that's a good trivia fact. <laughs> yeah, keep that in mind. It might come up in your, in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, those boys? Yeah, the first time they did that was Borderlands, and then never again. <laughs> All right, uh, that's five points. For the yeah. Grubermeisters. So, um, if, if we had played Tales from the Borderlands earlier, we probably would have just jumped right into new Tales from the Borderlands. Can't do it. So, here we go. This is the first of ten consecutive Borderlands episodes oh, from man. people who do not know Borderlands. Cannot stress that enough. <laughs> here's, here's one thing I'll say about this. Mm-hmm. I feel like this... T- Episode did a good job of selling me on this world. I like this. I think this world's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I really like the locations. And I feel like it would have sold me on playing through all of the other Borderlands if I didn't know that the humor in them was entirely not what I want. Um, well, yeah. Okay. So the other <laughs> Borderlands... <laughs> here's I do know mechanically what they're all about. Yeah. Uh it they they are looter shooters which um I'll just say is not like my favorite idea uh to spend my personal gaming time with. Um and there's a character in this episode, the loader bot, who speaks almost entirely in memes. And that's that's always been my impression of Borderlands. 
Just because meme after meme after just, meme. Yeah, like a meme yeah. in- internet humor kind of deal. Uh, yeah, that's basically the impression I get. And if I didn't know that that's what I would be getting with those games, I would be so down to play the rest after playing this. Yeah, um, I understand that Borderlands 3 might have writing that is more in line with this, um, which could be cool. Um, but I'm not just going to jump into the 3 of something. Yeah. That seems... That seems hard. It's probably fine. It's probably <laughs> easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this this does take place between Borderlands 2 and 3. Uh, it was also released between Borderlands 2 and 3. And deals with a lot of the fallout of the ending of Borderlands 2. Mm-hmm. Which, as I understand it, has Handsome Jack, the CEO and president of Hyperia, um, become the main big bad of Borderlands 2, and then is killed by the protagonists of Borderlands 2. Yeah, do you want to know what all my notes were for the back history of Borderlands up before this? Sure. Uh, My notes were Vaults, highly sought after, and mm-hmm. then Handsome Jack owned Hyperion and died. The end. Sounds sounds right. Yeah, that I feel like those are the big ones. Yeah, uh, there there was a couple other things of like okay, Hyperion and uh, or is that Hyperia or Hyperion? It's Hyperion. Okay, Hyperion um, and Atlas are two different companies that kind of have done this. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time of this game, Hyperion has just completely absorbed Atlas. So now right. Atlas is like the old school stuff, mm-hmm. if you're looking around Pandora. Apologies uh, to anyone listening who knows way more about Borderlands than we do. If we if we don't sound like we know what we're talking about, we're trying our best. Yeah, I, I promise we're about to jump into the episode's specific stuff and not just fumbling around what <laughs> might be true about Borderlands. Wow, so this is what Borderlands is. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Right. Okay. You play as Reese and Fiona. What do you think of these two characters? I like them so far. Um, I like that Reese isn't just Mr. Comedy Star-Lord Man. I kind of like that he feels very... Uh, he's close. He's close, <laughs> but I, I got some, you know, I got some softness from him. Yeah, I got some, well, I got some softness. I got some harshness, too, um, because he is not morally concerned with being part of Hyperion. Right. Uh, He He wants a promotion. He understands well that he is not the good guy. Yeah. um, In a lot of situations. And I wonder if that's kind of his arc over these next five episodes. He's going to see more people on the ground in Pandora and realize how bad his company is. Yeah. that that seems maybe a little cliche, but I, I could see that going that way. At the same time, it feels like a lot of people on Pandora are not that great either. There are a lot of people just shooting one another and biting each other and stabbing. Yeah, but uh, I, I got he, the impression from that first person that you talked to, or it was in my case, the first person that you talked to when you drive into town in Pandora uh, and he's he's like a a hot dog salesman or a kebab (laughs) salesman and you ask him for directions or i did uh 
and he noticed that you're Hyperion, and he says, you ruined this place. And I kind of imagine, um, yeah, before these giant companies all had the corporate wars and, and tried to take over this planet to uh, devalue it of all its ancient valuables, it probably was more or less okay. Mm-hmm. It probably was not a hellscape full of Mad Max psychopaths wearing Jason masks. <laughs> You know what's you know what's funny, Mitchell? Mm-hmm. I've never seen a Mad Max movie. But, I haven't seen a Mad Max movie either. <laughs> but I uh-huh. feel like I would like them just because I like this general post-apocalyptic desert vibe. Really, this is this is a, a good vibe for you. I like it. I mean, you know, not so much everyone killing one another, but um. Well, what you... are, I mean, that's the vibe. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, I like that it's wild. I like that it's a desert. Do you remember when, um, I don't know if you were around for it, but do you remember back when Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled was doing its Grand Prix and adding new stuff, and they added a track that was basically just, okay, this is Mad Max in Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. I liked that a lot. That's when I was like, you know what? I kind of like it. I kind of <laughs> dig it. Um... There, there's just a huge cast of characters here. I don't even know where yeah. to start. Um, uh, well, we got Reese. Yeah, we, so... How about yeah. his friend next? His friend Vaughn. Vaughn is played by Chris Hardwick, which makes me like him a lot less. Ooh, whoops, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'll try not to hold it against the character. Um, I I knew that before I started, and I, I couldn't... He never stood a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that he voiced Otis the Cow in Back at the Barnyard? Yeah, after after I played through the episode, I looked at Chris Hardwick's Wikipedia just to see, like, <laughs> I wanted to see if this was a stunt cast or if he had done voice acting before. And then he said he's mainly known for Otis the Cow from... <laughs> I don't think he is mainly known for that Wikipedia, but that's, <laughs> that's cool. That's how I know him. <laughs> I know him from the general, uh, you know, very fast rise to fame and then abuse scandal. Yeah, I mean that too, but he was the cow, you gotta admit. He at least was the cow somewhat. He, yeah. For sure. He, he was not the cow from the beginning, that was Kevin James. Mm. Um, <laughs> great. But Vaughn is the money man. He's the money man, he's, a, he's an accountant, he's a cyber accountant. He's a cyberspace accountant. He's a big nerd. Yeah, he's... Uh, he really does just have like the typical nerd design. He's got the glasses. He's mm-hmm. got like the sweater vest. Yeah, he almost looks like Reese if he had jaundice, or like <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like a like a shriveled Reese. <laughs> uh, yeah, that never once crossed my mind, but I can see it now. Um, you are Reese yeah. left out in the sun too long. So Vaughn and Reese were excited because Reese was going to get this big promotion uh, from his boss, Mr. Henderson. Uh, but then he goes into Mrs. Mr. Henderson's office and it's his uh, his arch rival Vasquez has thrown Henderson out of an airlock. Yeah, Hugo Vasquez, your Hyperion nemesis. And uh, Patrick Warburton. That was a big surprise to me. That's interesting. It's interesting to me that they're able to get bigger names for this game. Patrick Warburton, Chris Hardwick, unfortunately. Uh, well, Reese. Who's, who plays Reese? Oh, he's like the... Oh, uh, I didn't even write it down because I just thought I would remember. He's like the... I don't remember. 
He's the guy. <laughs> he's like the video game voice actor. Oh, that. The, the one. Oh, Troy Baker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And what's her? The other one played Fiona. Uh, L- Laura Bailey. Laura Bailey. Yeah. Uh, who are who is equally the video game voice voice actor? Right. Um, is this the same two people that voice? Uh, the the characters in in Left for Dead. Um, maybe the I've two... never played Left for Dead. Uh, let me let me just I gotta look that one up. I think Left I would for... like it. <laughs> you like all the things. It's I think really it would nice be fun. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, not Left for Dead. That I meant Last of Us. Oh Last no, Us. Uh, Ellie is uh, Ashley Johnson. Oh, you're right. That is a different person. Okay. Yeah, she's Gretchen on recess. <laughs> I love the <laughs> I love the, uh, the 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 reaches you could do. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but yeah, that that is also Troy Baker. I may not know about Borderlands, but I know about recess, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I probably know more recess than Borderlands. <laughs> um uh, who else So would... Vasquez is I yeah. don't think the voice fits. It's distracting because it's Patrick Warburton. It's Patrick Warburton, but like, I I'll give Patrick Warburton his due in that most of the characters he voices do eventually kind of feel like, okay, yeah, this makes sense, even though I am immediately taken yeah. out of it because it's yeah. Patrick Warburton. This yeah, they one, usually the, fit. This the look of this guy does not look like he's Patrick Warburton. I yeah, I could kind of picture him with a little bit more high pitched, a little slimier sounding. He sounds very suave because he's Patrick Warburton. He sounds very much around here. Yeah, but he's Patrick Warburton is not like businessman suave. Patrick Warburton is like, I've taken some melatonin and I'm about to go to sleep, but I've got a point <laughs> to make. <laughs> I have it written down in my notes. It's Joe Swanson. Yeah, it, it's it is Joe Swanson. It's also Lemony Snicket. That oh, I forgot about that. He's Brock Sampson. Who else is he? Uh, it doesn't matter. He tells you to uh, take your Mickey Mouse ears off on oh Soarin California, California. Scre- Soren. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say he's California screaming. That's different and doesn't no, exist anymore. He's yeah, he's not a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see him voicing a roller coaster. He's more just a man. <laughs> Uh, and it, it's at this moment that you realize that you have this extra mechanic, and I think this is this game's cool extra feature. Um, your eye, your echo eye. Yeah. It can scan stuff. If you press LB or L1 uh, or whatever, you can scan the environment. Yeah. I I forget, does this ever, is this ever like a huge thing in this episode? I don't remember. Huge... Like, are there any no. parts where... Re- it, it is a cool feature. I thought it was very cool you could just, like, There, there are There are a few. Stuff. There's a few things where, uh, like, at one point you're over a ledge and you're looking at this, uh, like, racetrack that you need to sneak into. Mm-hmm. And Reese uses his eye to, like, look around and he says, like, okay, I see uh, some bandits over there. And there's a hatch down there that I can... We can go down, and uh, that that'll be good. But then, by the time he stops scanning the environment with his eye, he looks around, and they already, all they already went. So I guess it was not necessary in that situation. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could have just looked with your eye. Well, the, the big thing happened, like the big reason it all failed, uh, the like the deal they were trying to set up between Fiona's faction of con artists and Reese's faction of Hyperion employees mm-hmm. uh, was because they thought he was going to check the uh, vault key that they were selling mm-hmm. with his eye and then he would realize that it's fake. Yeah. Uh, so they. So that was like. But the fear that's... that he might do that was a big presence in. Yeah, the but episode. that's more of a plot element. That's not necessarily a part of the gameplay feature. No, you're right. Uh, but you can it do is it cool, in a surprising though. amount of places. And yeah. Sometimes it, I... there's extra little text. Yeah, I do still think it's a cool little extra thing you can do. I and maybe it'll actually be tied into gameplay a little more in future episodes. Maybe. I think you did have to do it. Um, on one of the corpses that they had on the wall, like in the hall of important Borderlands. Oh, people. that's that sounds right. Yeah, you had to do it on that guy in order to get uh his, his... old Hyperion ID chip. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. By the way, I liked that bit a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that just that wall. Uh the the fourth person there, Commandant Steel, was the main big bad of Borderlands One. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now she's just sort of tapped up in a, in a museum, in, a, in like a roadside tourist trap museum. I I do think that's a cool way to like that gives the fans of the series something to be like, oh, look at how deep they are connected. That's mm-hmm. something I was thinking about on the car ride back home earlier. Was I <laughs> I I really like how this feels like concretely part of this series. Like oh, yeah. I I would say before return to monkey island i don't want to say like tales of monkey island felt like it wouldn't be canon but it felt like it was kind of left out a lot like you would see like the monkey island collection on steam didn't include tales of monkey island so and we hadn't had a new game after that so i figured are they just going to ignore that is it going to be part of it but here like this is 100 percent part of the story that cannot be ignored mm-hmm. uh yeah you don't get a whole lot of that with telltale usually it's um like, Guardians of the Galaxy and Batman are completely new takes. Yeah. Uh, Sam and Max is it's somewhat thing. a new take. Um, yeah. But it is it is continued from Hit the Road a little bit. Um, right. But games like those are... I, I, I don't want to say Game of Thrones, but I kind of assume... Or, like, even Walking Dead. Walking Dead is mostly its own Game of Thrones is thing. actually very it, supposed it actually to ties be into in, it. in the universe. Yeah, well... Yes, but nothing from, like, the books ties back into it. Awesome. Um, like, it's it's meant to be... It's meant to be firmly in the universe, and they've kind of found, like, an area of Westeros that, uh, that they realized wasn't going to be used for too many plot-important things, so then they, they, they put their story there. Yeah, like, that's exactly what I mean. Um... Like, in the grand scheme of things, it feels like a lot of these Telltale games are not that important. Yeah. But this feels like it is. Like, I don't know if, like, you need to play these, but to play, like, Borderlands 3 or whatever. Oh, but... apparently you do. Oh, cool. Int- I, I like that. But um, it's cool that this is saying, no, this is 100% 
an actual thing that happens in this world. Yeah, it, it definitely feels completely canon to the Borderlands series. I would have liked... Um, I, I, I would have liked to see that a bit more in, in Tales from Monkey Island. Although, I mean, they probably did that as much as they could in Tales from Monkey Island. And yeah. in retrospect, it is firmly part of the Monkey Island series. But Yeah, I mean, Monkey Island never really cribs too much from like future past stories a whole ton yeah well <laughs> yeah especially given how returns went like even what what even is canon or timeline yeah or, exactly yeah it is yeah okay not the not this episode uh <laughs> so we we talked about reese he's basically trying to get back at vasquez by getting the jump on a deal he was making to buy a, a vault key right um so, then sw- switching over, Fiona and her younger sister Sasha are teaming up with this guy August in order to sell the vault key. Right, they're trying to pull a fast one over on him. Yeah. In order to pull another fast, that same fast one over on who he's going to sell the vault key to. Yeah, because the vault key is fake. Yeah. Uh, Fiona and Sasha's sort of uh, ad- adopted father. You know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I wasn't. I was done. What's up? Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like um, Sasha does a really good job at selling her role. Because when I first saw August and Sasha, I was like, oh, these two must have been like partners for a long time. It feels like they have a history together. Then it turns out they really didn't. She was really uh, lying to him. (laughs) Yeah, but it, it wasn't like so good that I couldn't imagine that. The, the the plot twist that they did eventually reveal was true, which I yeah. think is a good writing. That's some good yeah, writing on Sasha. Totally. Um. So oh, you know what? You know what? Something else we should clarify: this whole thing is being told by Reese and Fiona to a bandit who found them and like has them tied up. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 At the very beginning, you start in media res. Reese is looking for Fiona. The bandit ties Reese up and like drags him along and says. Tell me everything you know about the Gordis Project, which you don't find out about until the very end of the episode. Um, and even then, it's pretty vague still. Right. Uh, I like this framing device. I like this uh, guy who captured them who's, like, both annoyed with them, but also, like, interested in their story. Yeah. Yeah, he, he at the end, seems like, are you sure this is the story? I'm sticking with it, <laughs> but are you sure this is the story you're telling me right now? Uh, right like he's he's getting more invested as you go along i think this game does a good job of being charming without being too like smarmy and wacky and over the top this game has good bandits yeah a lot of the bandits are are real good i liked the the one that was driving with uh fiona and uh the other guy whose name i already vaughn uh he felt like part of the gang Sort of. He wanted to eat Vaughn's eyes. Yeah, you know, that's a good dynamic. <laughs> Half the people he meets do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, so August does not know that the vault key is fake. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sasha, like, w- when... Sasha's been working with August for a, a little bit, I guess. But when Fiona goes to meet August for the first time... There's a really cool moment where 
Sasha's like, okay, I'm just going to talk really fast because he's about to come back, but I need to tell you everything that I told him about you. You were from Edith 5, and then you found the thing on Edith 6, and your name is Lydia whatever. And she was saying so much so fast that I, as the player, thought there is no way they're actually wanting me to remember any of this. And you you do. You absolutely have to remember it. You can ask her to repeat it, but I'm thinking, like, there's no way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's n- and they do make you remember it. Um, I th- I think I think I did ask her to repeat it. I said, uh, "Can you slow down and say that again?" She's like, "Look, whatever, just do it." Yeah. Um, what is the real name that Sasha said? Because August said you must be Lydia, and I was thinking I thought it was Lydia, but then it gave you a bunch of options of like, no, it's actually Livia. No, it's actually Libya. Yeah, I think it was. I just said, "Yep, that's me. I'm Lydia." Okay, yeah, that's what I said too. And it looked like he, he buys it. Kind of, he didn't seem deceived, but I, I wasn't sure if I just did a good enough job later in the conversation. Yeah, he seems skeptical, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I got it right when he was asking the questions. Yeah, and uh, then he asked, "So where'd you get the vault key?" And I remembered that Sasha said Edith or whatever five. So I, I think she says that. Edith 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 six, but you were originally stationed on Edith five. Right, that's five is where I'm from, but I found it on six. Yeah. Um, but I didn't remember that. I just remembered. Oh, I do remember hearing a five. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna say that. And then August says, "Wait, I thought that you were from five, but you found it on six. And then I just threw Sasha under the bus, and I said, "No, nah, she got it wrong. She's stupid." <laughs> She's pretty dumb, actually. You know that about her. Yeah, you, you've been <laughs> dating her for a while. You get it. Yeah, it, it does seem like uh, she Sasha's really adopted the role of dating this guy very fast. Yeah, I, I was wondering like how long this had been going on. There's like a kiss on the cheek and Sasha takes it in stride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though it is also very clear, she's going to deceive the hell out of this guy. There's... There's no, uh, there's no share for August if he pulls through. <laughs> yeah, August is very low on the list of important people at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the the deal just sort of gets interrupted. But I, I, there's a lot that happens. But you know, <laughs> trying to truncate that a, l- a little bit. They're interrupted by the fight between Bossa Nova and Zero, who are these absolute freakazoids from Planet Freako, who <laughs> drive giant monster trucks through the building you're in all of a sudden uh, and start shooting at each other and I guess miss every time. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is my favorite part of this world, is that at any random moment you can just have these absolute weirdos show up with like their own themes, they're like superheroes almost. Yeah, except yeah. <laughs> not. <laughs> and they get little splash screens with their their character names. Uh, and Bossa Nova's this human boombox that he he his superpower is just blasting out hot bass tracks. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. And Zero is this absolute weird beard who uh, is sort of like a cybernetic ninja kind of guy. 
but occasionally he'll just like smile at you and you can't see his face. It's all a screen. So it's just like an emoticon out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just nice. He's just like a nice guy. And I, I love zero sort of comes in the episode a lot. The episode is named after him. He was one of the playable characters in borderlands Two. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. So he's been around and I guess that's uh, why he didn't die. If you chose to play as him the whole time, he's the person that kills handsome Jack. Ooh. So, uh, he might be canonically in this world, the murderer of handsome Jack. So he's probably going to be a pretty important, uh, character going forward. I, I don't know. Um, I'm, 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 I'm imagining he'll show up again. Yeah. Once he, or he's twice, not, maybe. he's not in like your group of friends. Yeah. Because, uh, something that I have gleaned is true about all the Borderlands games is that protagonists from one will show up in another as NPCs. Right. Uh, right. Which is a cool concept. I, I love that gold yeah. fighting red on Mount Silver vibe. Yeah. Um, so in this game, taking place right after Borderlands 2, Zero, uh, Zero shows up, and I think he's supposed to be the like fan favorite <laughs> uh, touchstone for this episode. Mm. Oh, yeah, I was him! And I like the way that he does his emoticons. Yeah, I didn't get that since I uh, I've never played Borderlands, but I thought he was cool enough. Yeah, I, I, still I was like him I was a lot. I was worried he was gonna be kind of your typical like oh I'm the silent cool guy, but uh, I think the emoticons help. You get like colon yeah. parenthesis. Yeah, he talks in haiku. He doesn't even not talk. Yeah. He talks in haiku, and <laughs> there, there's one moment where uh, it's Reese and Sasha fighting off some like monsters. And then Zero just shows up and he just ghosts into frame, which is something that apparently he can do and is probably a Borderlands 2 gameplay mechanic. And then he's like, hi, I'm glad to meet you. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) if you see anything about the Gordas project, just let me know. (laughs) Thank you. And yeah, and then he just gives them like a big old smile emoticon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I like Zero a lot. Zero made a good impression. I like, I, I already said it, but I like that this world can just have these freaks show up. <laughs> they, they are so weird. Bossa Nova, in, in his own right, is so good uh, because he runs the, later on we'll see this racetrack, which is a, a monster truck slash racing slash gladiator death battles um, where I can't really glean the rules like... Do you need to win the the race, or yeah. do you just need to kill the other people? Yeah, I thought it was a race at first, like the last one, or the first one to win the race gets it. But yeah. then I guess it turns out that it was just the last one standing gets the money. Yeah, well, I wonder if uh, Bossa Nova didn't die during it, which he did. I wonder yeah. if uh, you would have to win the race, and it because... Uh, you only get the money because he dropped it. Yeah. But yeah, Bossa Nova's like adjudicating this race. And then all of a sudden he sees Zero and he's like, okay, stop everything. Any- <laughs> I hate this guy so much. Uh, anyone who kills him gets $20,000 right now. And people start trying to do that and can't. <laughs> what do you know? Yeah. Um but yeah, uh, there, there's so many other aspects to talk about here. 
like uh fiona and sasha's adopted dad felix uh what do you think of felix um i get what they were going for with him but i feel like we didn't really get much time with him to make like a huge impression but i I didn't feel that bad about it because i felt like all the other characters did a great job of like introducing themselves and making it known what they're all about yeah i guess as as children sasha and fiona tried robbing like pickpocketing him and he was smitten with that and took them in and raised them as street thieves uh Mm. which is a a fun story but he keeps telling them throughout the episode now don't trust anyone and that's clearly surface level directed at reese and vaughn yeah who they're hanging out with due to circumstance they kind of escaped at the same time once bossa nova and zero drove into their meeting place but right, right. Uh, it turns out to be mostly about him because Felix is planning on just taking all the money and driving away as fast as he can. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't feel the deception so much. In fact, when he said, um, don't trust anyone, I kind of thought like, mm, I've played Walking Dead. I think it's you. <laughs> yeah like i think it would have been fine if they had more of him but we really didn't even get like that good a sense of his relationship with them that much i feel like maybe if we saw a little more with him and got a sense of like oh okay this guy is actually a good cool guy we just kind of got like some surface level oh they've always been together oh now he's betraying them i don't think any other telltale game has ever played as loud and i don't just mean literal loud although probably uh, I mm-hmm. mean, just bombastic explosions and fights, and here's a new character. Bye. Uh, yeah, I think oh. that's cool. It's great. A yeah. lot of things happen. Uh, it, it it's very superhero movie, Marvel movie, modern movie, uh, the Telltale game, which when you compare it to Walking Dead, uh, is very different. Walking Dead is very mm-hmm. morose and slow, and uh, pensive. This is not pensive. Uh, it uses the same sort of uh, reliance on choices to f- to steer the narrative in different directions mm-hmm. that Walking Dead does. But Walking Dead was so built around like, okay, what do choices even mean though? <laughs> and just like <laughs> reveling in that philosophical debate. And this this is not going to go anywhere near a philosophy. I can tell. Yeah, definitely. This is just more about fun i want to say yeah it kind of makes me think this could have been an old style telltale game because yeah it's not it really isn't about that at all um which does mean as of right now i would personally rank it below walking dead by quite a bit because i think it's not maybe using that as much as it can but we'll see where it goes maybe by the end it'll go somewhere i'm mm-hmm. not expecting well <sighs> Part of me thinks it actually works very well with the modern style of uh, Telltale games, just because I feel like those games do have a lot more actiony segments as well. Like old school uh, Telltale games were very puzzly, um, and I don't know if that would have worked so well with this world and story. Yeah, I I think the Echo Eye is maybe yeah. what I'm feeling the most. Like that mm-hmm. feels like an old school Telltale gameplay mechanic edition right because i don't get a lot of cho- uh, chances to use it when i'm mostly in cutscenes and dialogue trees mm-hmm. 
Um, I, yeah. I, otherwise, I'm just sort of walking around. There's very few segments in this where I'm just walking around. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of like walk up and talk to somebody. Yeah, there's no Civil War museum that I need to <laughs> just catch sort of a raccoon around and f- catch a raccoon and get a jacket someone peed on. <laughs> Uh, but I like that. I like that we are getting kind of a different uh, vibe from this than, say, Walking Dead or something. Yeah. Even though it is the same gameplay style, uh, it, it's interesting yeah. since I think one thought that I had at the beginning was I thought they actually did a pretty good job of having it start out pretty slow. Because, like, I was kind of comparing it to Walking Dead. How in Walking Dead you start out in the police car. And you're just talking to the guy in there, and then it kind of throws you into the story. Mm-hmm. But here, like, you have the part with Hyperion at the beginning, and then after all that, you're in the car with Vaughn driving to, uh, what's it called, Prosperity Junction? That That's true. It, it did take its time to get to where it was going, but then once it got where it was going, it did it's not Im- let up at all. Yeah, you're immediately just thrown in. It never lets up. I guess it kind of lets up a little bit when you switch over to Fiona, but not for long. Yeah, I mean, even when it's slower with Fiona, you're like walking down her uh, like rundown ghetto of a space town, mm-hmm. and some... <laughs> Some, like, miniature, I don't even know, just, like, tiny freaks uh, (laughs) just throw this random guy in front of her and then just start step, 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 just a bunch of stabs in the chest really fast. And Fiona's like, okay, guys, knock it off, enough stabbing. Yeah, they they straight up kill this guy. They stab him enough that his life is ending. And Fiona's like, come on, all right. And that's what we're calling the the slow part of this episode. Yeah, the the slow part is a man getting stabbed to death by little gremlins. Yeah, what is... What is her vibe saying? Like, come on, he's had enough. Like, he's he will die. Like, wh- her vibe is that she's lived in this world for so long. She's like, all right, this is just normal. Get out of here. She, I guess, she wants them to leave so he can, uh, she can pick up his money. Did you take his money? I took his money. Yeah, I didn't, even though I should have. <laughs> oh, come on, he's dying. I, he's I dying know for sure. I know. I thought about it, but. Even even Fiona was like, Ugh, "All right, fine here." Well, I'm I'm glad you didn't because now because uh, I was going to ask, did that ever come back to bite you or kind of? You... Yeah, there's a point later where um, you know the part where you have to buy the masks. Yeah, for you can get a cool race. mask. Yeah, I couldn't afford the the highest priced mask, and I thought like if I took that guy's money, I would have been able to get this mask. I could also not afford the highest priced mask. Ooh, maybe you just couldn't. Well, no, yeah. you have to be able to somehow, I would think. Um, but I know there's I mean, other money you can find around. How were around. you able to get the middle one? I got I got the middle one just because I found money behind a poster in the alley in the part where you Oh, have to go you see, I didn't find that money. So if you do both of those, I bet you yeah. can buy the highest mask. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that does, though. It's just a, I just got the middle it's, mask. Yeah, it's just for fun. Just being able to flash your money. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because uh, the same button that Reese used to scan the uh, Reese uses to scan the environment, Fiona uses just to pull up. Okay, how much money do I have? And then it just shows you. That's a <laughs> that's a designated button. That's so that, funny. That's a designated wallet button. Yeah, that that is very useless. <laughs> that, 
it, that is very unimportant to have. Maybe in a future episode we'll be in a town where we spend money, but I doubt it. We're not seeing yeah, a lot of open areas. <laughs> that doesn't strike me as like a big mechanic. Well, it's a whole button on the controller. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is. Uh, Hollow Point is the name of her town, by the way. Oh, okay. I like these just sort of like <laughs> yeah. run downtown environments. Like there's one in Jack 2. I hate Jack 2, but I love that like little town with like the tavern in it. Yeah, it reminds me there's a in Pokemon Sword and Shield, there's a really long city that is <laughs> <laughs> torn down like this. A real long city. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember. I played Pokemon Sword and Shield, but I guess that says it's, how memorable it's the it was. dark type gym leader. It's oh right near the end. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, uh, it's just a long, just a horizontally long city. I remember I thinking maybe... that wasn't very cool. It wasn't. <laughs> uh, no, it was bad. <laughs> maybe the the thing I should have come up with is is Midgar, but this is Midgar on on some sort of 1990s exclamatory drug to compare something to because right. people are just getting very casually stabbed mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a it's a a very easy thing to get very badly stabbed i don't think uh, this is a time. place i would want to live <laughs> i would think not uh, like i like it in a video game but if i lived here i would not last long i think yeah and like cars are constantly crashing <laughs> yeah. right in front of her um but she also just lives on it. She like lives right down the street and she's she still has to introduce herself to everyone that lives on the same street mm-hmm. uh, in a not so large part of the city, um, which felt a little weird. Like if she's from right down the street, she probably would know this bouncer. Yeah. You know what? Something just before I forget, you know what? Something I really liked about uh, Prosperity Junction I liked how they have a fucking train that's like connecting buildings, like a thing you can walk through to get from one building to another. I thought yeah. that was cool. Yeah, that's great. That should happen in real life. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of the trains and use them as buildings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, at that point, the uh, as soon as the deal breaks down, Sasha and Fiona try killing Reese, and Reese is like, no, you need to find the money, because they brought down $10 million to be used in uh, various ways to buy the... To, to, to buy the it was just to key. buy the vault key, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then it got it got tooked by Bossa Nova, I guess. <laughs> well, it was and... originally stolen by bandits, and they got it back, and then, it, yeah, it got stolen by uh, Bossa Nova. That was the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to try to get onto the network with his cybernetic eye and getting on the network would allow him to hack into the tracker that is in that suitcase full of money right uh, he had to use that ID chip from that uh, from that doctor whose name I did not write down um, uh, was it Oh, I don't think I wrote it down either. Doctor Naka something. Not Naka Nakatori Naka Yaga Naka. Yeah, it was Naka something like that. Yuji and Naka. You it was Yuji Naka. Uh, it, this doctor was very dedicated to the idea of Handsome Jack, just in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, and I don't completely know the specifics of what that means yet, but somehow, once he implanted this ID chip from the doctor into his mind, Reese could hear Handsome Jack. Right. And near the end of the episode, we, we see, like, a digital version of him appear. Ah! ah from, it, a, spooky! A digi- Halloween! A, happy Halloween, everybody! A digital ghost! A digital ghost. Um, soon we will all be digital ghosts once our Facebook accounts outlive us by That's true. twice our lifespans. I hope mine does something, like, cool. Your Facebook account? Yeah, I hope, like, if I die and my Facebook account is still around, it can, like, do something cool in my name. What would What would you think a cool thing a Facebook account can do is? Um... I mean, it could also just lie. You could just say I did something cool, like a status. Oh, oh just like <laughs> status saying, eating some nachos. And Ju- people were like, I thought he's dead, but he's eating nachos? He's doing pretty well for himself. <laughs> yeah, he's like 493 now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, just lie and say I, like, invented something. So after you after you do the... Uh, the after you do the, the brain computer chip thing you get knocked out for a bit you wake up you're planning on entering this heist of uh getting the suitcase back it involves half the team entering a race and the other half sort of just coming into the center of the field there's a big old battle and then felix betrays you uh betrays fiona specifically he puts a gun to Fiona and says, actually, I'm taking all the money. All $10 million of it. <laughs> yeah, this is just kind of mine now. And uh, earlier in the episode, Felix gave Fiona a very special secret gun. A gun that has only one bullet in it, but has like a... It... Have you seen Django Unchained? No. It's a... There's a similar like a guy has this mechanism where he just like puts out his arm and then a gun springs out into his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I always think that's cool whenever so, I see that. So they can keep the gun uh, hidden, but it can easily pop out when needed. Yeah. It pops out really fast. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. His one is like on strings that sort of, it, it, it sounds like a, like a pulley system that just pulls it to the end of the sleeve. But in this game, Fiona has a gun. Now you can use your one bullet at, I think, two different times during this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the option to use the bullet against August when you're trying to escape from August at the when the deal goes bad. Did you do that? No, I never used the bullet. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, I uh, I did I didn't use it with August. Did uh, you use he, it against uh, the other I guy did. whose name I forget? I did use it against Felix. You shot Felix? I shot Felix. What happens? Uh, he takes it in the shoulder and looks like he's dying, uh, but mm. doesn't immediately die from it. And then he says, I just want to see what it looks like, $10 million before I die. Uh, and then he tries opening the case, but because he's opening the case without Vaughn's special cybernetics, he it explodes and then he dies. Yeah, I just got the explosion, so I didn't shoot him, but I also didn't tell him that there was a bomb connected to it. Oh, you, so once you don't use the gun, you can choose to not tell him about the the bomb? Yeah, you you can say, like, one last thing to him, and one of the choices is, uh, wait, no, there is a bomb, and the other choice is, uh, choke on it. 
do you think he doesn't die if you warn him? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe. Okay, I'm actually I, looking it up. This one's important enough that we should have it in the episode. Uh, warn Felix <laughs> Tales from the Borderlands. Warn Felix. Um, I'm watching a YouTube video <laughs> and um, yeah, so Fiona reaches out and says, Felix! And then Fiona says, some stuff <laughs> oh okay so felix lived oh um, interesting yeah he throws the case to the side so he doesn't have to explode he doesn't have to explode no what happens to the money then because that it, seems the, like the like money a... still explodes and gets rained down everywhere oh okay yeah good pod right whenever i have to watch a youtube video in the middle yeah let's <laughs> just watch more uh so <laughs> I, I believe he lives, but then sort of runs away. I'm sure he dies some other way at some point. That's how these Telltale games go. But not this episode, which is impressive. Yeah. It, it's more impressive than it had to be. They exercise restraint. They exercise a little restraint. How um, do you feel about that? Just like in the grand scheme of these, how do you feel about knowing that usually if you have the choice between a character living and dying, they will usually die later if... <laughs> they don't die there so that is true uh but season one of walking dead even though i think it does do exactly that thing you said mm. as well as as anything else it feels more ambitious with what it's allowing those choices to do like it yeah. took a few episodes for carly to die right after she could have in the first episode a i few. agree it it feels like it's done better, sometimes better than others. Like, Carly's a great example. But then I also think about Nick and how as soon as you save him in episode two, he might as well not be part of the story anymore. Yeah, but he can hang out until episode four. So that's... He he can, but he doesn't say anything. Of It's it's more of a, like... <laughs> he goes All to right, sleep what? really early. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what's our plan, guys? And then Nick comes in and says, yeah, what's the plan? Back into the background I go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think Walking Dead season one is the best at this, and it's the best yeah. at this because it was the thing that was built around this formula. Mm-hmm. So any other formula, I guess this is why you don't always use this gameplay formula all the time. That because the gameplay really... formula is fit around the Walking Dead story, and now it's being used on other stories that don't have the same ideals or ambitions about uh, making it different every time you play based on your choices. Right. And the thing is, like, it doesn't have to be that way. It's just, like, easy. <laughs> it's yeah. easier. And I get it. Like, that would be, like, a, a headache to be like, all right, well, this character, now this character needs to stay f- for a while. How is that going to change this story? You really can't change it that much if you have, like, big main beats you want to hit. Yeah, like, The Walking Dead Season 2 had three main endings, and technically two of them could branch out to, so like, five. Mm-hmm. Um, but if really every choice was making a big difference, you'd have dozens of endings by the end of a season. Yeah, exactly. And like, as cool as that would be, that's just unfeasible. Yeah. Well, Shadow the Hedgehog did it. That's that game has <laughs> that's true. Hundreds What's their of excuse? Endings. So, uh, <laughs> that game is wild. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I, if we if we could think of a reason to play Shadow the Hedgehog on this podcast, I would do it next. I would not, but <laughs> um, I would tell you. I would be like, "Oh yeah, sure." So, yeah, the, the money rains down. Um, Zero kills Bossa Nova in a absolute anime ass way. Um, I don't. It even was cool. Want to describe it. <laughs> it's yeah. just you get it, so it was... anime. Yeah, it was neat, but I am a little sad that Bossa Nova's just dead and won't show up. Bossa Nova had to die to be Bossa Nova. That's true. Um, Maybe, so, well, that at least, like, it didn't bug me that much, because I'm sure we'll get more weird characters just showing up out of the blue onward. So, uh, there was an explosion, and under the racetrack, there's this old abandoned atlas special ops secret technology thing where you can go around and collect some some cool loot they give you the the feeling of collecting loot in uh borderlands in this non-loot based gameplay formula which i think is kind of silly and kind of cool yeah uh because they know like oh a big part of borderlands is getting that sweet gamer loot so there's just there's just like sometimes where um your party members in this will get stuff that feels like oh in any other game that would be i would use it but i know i'm not gonna use it because it's (laughs) this isn't that kind of game so it's right interesting that you felt the need to do that (laughs) but um it it you do find the gordis core down there which Mm -hmm. is basically a map of where all the vaults on the planet are yeah oh me oh my what a payday yeah, really uh really trivializes a lot of the vault hunting that goes on in the main games. <laughs> yeah, maybe they should have had this. Ever think of that one? Uh yeah, and then while you're looking at it, that's when the uh handsome Jack Cyber Ghost comes up. And then it cuts back to the bandit who's been dragging recent Fiona around the desert, and he goes, Oh, what happened next? And then they do a shitty little look at each other, and then it says, They're Next like, time what? on Tales from the Borderlands. <laughs> they do a the shitty episode. little look at each other. But they do. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's just a funny way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> they go, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it went something. Unlike it is. And then they don't say because it's the next episode. I will say I was a little like I I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about this, and I'm no professional storyteller, but I feel like they could have maybe saved that last part where they fall. Like, I feel like they could have maybe cut, like, after they fell into this uh, opening. And I think saved. you want to show the handsome Jack cyber ghost. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe you cut That's there. a good... You don't go back into the bandit dragging you across the desert. Yeah, as much as I love it. it you show it just... him at the beginning of the next episode. I feel like that's the only point where I was kind of like, is this still not done? Because, like, I was I was enjoying it, but it was getting a little long in the tooth. I thought for sure, mm-hmm. like, okay, the race is done. That's our big final puzzle. We are done. And then it goes into this underground thing, and you don't, like, explore for that long, but you no. it does let you explore a little bit. And I was just sitting there thinking, is there more to this? Yeah, it, it feels... It feels like it's going to be very long and then does end up being pretty long, but not unreasonable compared to some yeah. other Telltale episodes we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the point and click ones we've 
gone for a really long time uh like a really really long time right uh, just because you can get stuck but i don't know if that's really it, that shouldn't count as the flow of how long an episode is maybe it maybe it's one of the benefits of this kind of style of gameplay is they can keep the story because not all of these episodes some of these episodes are really short in these gameplay styles so maybe it's to its benefit that it's just as long or as short as it needs to be yeah yeah um <laughs> okay i i i told you before we started doing the podcast i have a fun fact for this episode oh yeah yeah so i guess i'll bring it up here because during the credits the song busy earning by jungle plays and it's absolutely a bop it's a good song i liked it uh it plays during the opening sequence when you're crash landing on the planet and also as the uh end credits song mm-hmm. uh, it goes like that you know (laughs) oh i know um so my fun fact is about this song other than being pretty good it turns out that me a game developer thinking the song is good is not a hot take at all because in a span of less than two months in the autumn of 2014 three games had this song in it holy shit what were the other two it, it it they have nothing to do with each other. It's uh, Tales from the Borderlands, uh-huh. FIFA twenty fifteen, <laughs> okay, and Forza Horizon two. Jeez. Yeah, d- wow. different all different publishers. All within the span of two months. All within the span of less than two months. That's crazy. Also, during that span of less than two months, it appeared in an episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Holy shit, this song was on fire for less than two months. Yeah, and I was wondering, like, was this song, like, only just now old enough to appear in some stuff? Or was it enjoying a certain amount of hype at this time? And I looked at its Wikipedia page, and it said it topped at number 19 on the Indie Top 400. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's not high. That what? That's not high for on an for indie. the indies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the indies, it's not even like topping number one when it came out, which was earlier in that year, six months prior. Which think about how long video games to ma- uh, take to make. Sometimes you can just fit in songs at the very end. Other times, uh, you want to have them in early so you know what you have. Right. Uh, but all three of these games made. A decision to include this song that only came out six months before they came out. What are the odds? I I don't even know. That That's like... Like, in the grand scheme of things, who cares? That's like such <laughs> a... Who gives even the slightest shit, but that is very... Wow. That's crazy just how much it popped up after how little a splash it made, I guess. Yeah, I found this out because I went... Uh, I googled, yeah, busy earning, cranking enough, <laughs> because that was all I could find from the from the lyrics. It, uh-huh. the, a lot of the lyrics are hard to decipher, but I was pretty sure about that part. Um, so I googled those words, found the song, found that the song was made prior to the release of the game, because that was the big question I had. Was this a song for the game, or mm-hmm. is this a stealth Jared Emerson Johnson bop? No. Uh, <laughs> 
There's uh, some really good tunes from Jared Emerson Johnson in this. There's there's not to interrupt your story, but no, there was no, no, a few no, for ta- sure. There Go was a few it. times where like I just had to pause to write some notes or just uh, stop for a little bit, but the music would keep playing, and I was like, "This is actually awesome." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good music. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I looked at the YouTube video for this, and it's um, it's a music video of I I guess all of Jungle, or maybe they're not all. Maybe it's not actually the the musical act, but it's a it's a bunch of dancers. Just sort of dancing around in a warehouse. And they're doing a fun little dance. <laughs> awesome. uh, but I look at the comments. And I expect to see. Whenever something like this happens with a, a notable video game. I expect to see like. Oh imagine this song. But like you're looking for a vault on Pandora. You know that's the YouTube comment that you see. I don't like right. that YouTube comment. But I expected <laughs> to see it. And I, what I saw instead was. Imagine this but you're about to go up against Man City. And I'm like, wait, is that soccer? What's what's the deal? And then I saw another one that was like, I love driving around the countryside listening to this as I uh, got achievements. I'm like, wait, what even? What? (laughs) (laughs) And then I found out that (laughs) everyone in the comments knows it from a video game, but they're different. That's so wild. That's that is a very fun fact. The way you sold it to me on Discord was like, this is a fun fact, but you're not gonna give a shit. But I'm wowed. <laughs> yeah, right. It's I I feel bad for Tales from the Borderlands of all of them because I think Forza and FIFA are both games that kind of just have a lot of songs in the soundtrack. Forza mm-hmm. especially because it's my understanding that there's like a radio system. Right, uh, where you can listen to uh, songs as you drive, and you, you'd have a lot of them. FIFA, I imagine you also have kind of a good amount of songs too. It's just FIFA 2015, though. It's only the one that launched at the same time as <laughs> Tales from the Borderlands made it the first episode's theme song. Wow, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm always gonna associate it with Tales from the Borderlands now, at least. Yeah, I mean, I think I will. Uh, it's a good song. It's yeah. also in uh. Also in the fall, but of the next year, it's in an episode of the TV show House of Lies. Wow. That's even if even in that like amount of time, Mm -hmm. that's still crazy that a song this like I don't want to say it's not known, but like like you said, it wasn't like huge, but that's crazy that it just got so much time in in things in general. Um, also in that it's season four, episode six of house of lies, which I'm only bringing up because it's, it's outside of the time period, but it has a great name, which is trust me, I'm getting plenty of erections. <laughs> that's the name of the episode. <laughs> that would be a good telltale episode. <laughs> trust me. Uh, yeah. That's a good CSI case. <laughs> <laughs> this man died from a, a lethal dose of Viagra. Yeah. Robbins is looking around and he says, it looks like the victim never got any erections and then it com- comes back to life to say like no trust me i'm, I'm getting plenty of erections <laughs> brass would say something like uh let's go let's go down to robbins and take a look at the stiff uh in more ways <laughs> he, than he definitely one. would <laughs> um any other uh thoughts about the episode before we move on to segments i thought it was good i think this episode makes a very good uh a very strong first impression it makes a good argument for Borderlands. Yeah, even though I know that that's a losing argument. I know that if I were to play Borderlands, I would not be as into it, I think. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I make I'm being assump I'm making assumptions. Maybe I would be very into it, but just from what I know, I feel like I wouldn't. Um Yeah. Um I I my last thought is just how D&D it feels. Th- yeah. This is by far the most Dungeons and Dragonsy Telltale game they've done so well, far. Well, they've had a few Borderlands campaigns that are very D&D, like directly D&D inspired as well. You know what I'll say yeah, about the, Borderlands? The Tiny Tina game that came out earlier yeah. this year is like an explicit D&D reference. But um, yeah, yeah, there's so many things like you you uh, you meet up for a deal, the deal goes bad, and uh, it's interrupted by some other people. Like that's clearly, this is a D&D party between Reese and Fiona at least, but like also Vaughn and Sasha. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we have our party zero here. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, shoot. I was going to say something else, but I forgot what it was. You can try. Um, what have you tried? Oh, I remember what I was going to say now. You did it. I, yeah. Thanks. I guess all I had to do was try. Yeah. Um, I'll say this about Borderlands. I don't know if it's on Game Pass, but I'll say that if it is on Game Pass, I would be more willing to give it a chance. The Like the first Borderlands? Yeah, Borderlands 1 and 2, I I feel like I'd at least, like, even knowing what I know about them, I'd still, if they're free on Game Pass, I would still probably jump in. I think they might be. Hmm. Yeah, at least the first, what I think it is, is the Handsome Jack uh, collection, which is the, it's 1, 2, and the pre-sequel. We haven't talked about the pre-sequel, but it's like a backstory of Handsome Jack. It's kind of an in-betweenquel, hence the name, it's between 1 and 2. Yeah, yes. Um, it is a prequel to a story in two, but takes place after one. Yeah. Yes. That's uh, better than, that's better than fucking, like, calling <laughs> your name, like, uh, uh, but stomp, but stomper four, and it takes place before, but stomper two. Oh yeah. I hate that. That nothing drives me up the wall more than that. Just call it something else. You don't need to call it a. Two. It's almost like people aren't proud of the Butt Stomper franchise. Almost take pride in it. Jeez. Yeah. So let's head into our segments. I would love nothing more. Uh, let's start with your choice cut. Okay, so here's the thing about these choice cuts. Mm-hmm. We were discussing this before the show. Yeah. But. At the you typically so far at the end of a Telltale Games episode, you would see like percentages of the choice of like big choices made in the episode. Here we didn't get that at all, yeah. Which is interesting. We were kind of discussing maybe they'll have them at the end. Who knows? But as for right now, I didn't have anything to look back on and reflect on my choices. I don't think I like that. Yeah, um, I, I don't know if it's just the skew of the game that I have. So, by the way, um, I bought the new Tales from the Borderlands Deluxe Edition. What ooh. makes it deluxe, you ask? It has the first game. <laughs> oh, shit. That's, uh, a, that is a pretty good deluxe, yeah, I it's, would say. Yeah, it, it was about 50 bucks, and new Tales from the Borderlands on its own is like 40 so it, I was essentially paying 10 bucks. That's crazy. I think that's a really cool deal. Like that's better than getting like, oh, you get like some DLC skins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's that's still awesome. it's still not part of the like the application that you just download two things. Right. It's separate, but you still get like a whole other game. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Especially because um, I guess 2K absorbed 
the rights to Tales from the Borderlands. It was originally pe- tub, uh, published by Telltale for sure, but I'm looking on Steam right now, and it says that 2K is the publisher of Tales, like the original Tales. Yeah, that's um, interesting to me since Tales of Monkey Island didn't go to Disney. It was just uh, new Telltale picked it up. Yeah, I guess it's different just because Disney's not publishing that much on their own. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I wonder if that was part of it, but I guess not because you had the same thing. I, just, I also did not yeah, see I, any choice presented. Yeah, because I have just an old original copy of Tales from the Borderlands for Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a physical copy yeah a physical copy oh cool but yeah that kind of left me like i didn't even remember any of my choices because this game moves so fast so yeah. like as soon as you do one choice you're like immediately moving on to the next thing there really aren't like any huge like outcome changes other than the one you brought up like uh felix yeah felix is i think the the uh carly or what's his name <laughs> doug doug, <laughs> doug. Or carly of this episode yeah. um so that's interesting but yeah when i you asked me do you have a choice cut and i was like i don't know i don't think i do i don't remember any choices um but i did pick one mm-hmm. and it's not so much what the choice is but it was more the implications had me curious it's when um you're doing the deal with August and um, Sasha, and August is like, nah, this doesn't feel right. We got to get out of here. Not today. Maybe another day, but today's not the day. And you had a choice, and it said, blow his mind or break his heart. This is like, also my choice, cut. Really? Oh, I'm I love sorry. it. I love. No, no, no. It's fine. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was like, uh, what's the implications here? What's going? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to know what my first thought was? Sure. I thought it was going to be, are you going to kill August or are you going to kill Sasha? At that, th- because at that point, you don't know that Sasha is going to be like part of yeah. your group. Well, um, I, I, th- I thought it was being cheeky. And I thought if I pressed blow his mind, I'd shoot him in the head. And that's what I, I said, thought. Break his heart. I'd shoot him in the chest. Oh, I thought it was blow his mind. You would kill him. Break his heart. Kill her. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was heart, like, literal. I don't know. But it turned out to be way better than that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, he's just, like, making a, a, a plea if you choose. I chose blow his mind. And I also chose blow his mind. I okay. wish I chose break his heart, but I'll look up what it is. Later. Yeah, it, you just make a, like, it's your it's your destiny to, to sell this vault key. This it, day is your day. <laughs> yeah. And then it turns out that he's just making it all up for the bandit to make himself seem cool. I I love this part of the story. That's I love, very Monkey Island. That's exactly what I thought. It very it gave me strong, it's specifically Return to Monkey Island vibes. How you're going to go through this story and you might not have a reliable narrator. Yeah. Um, uh, which is fun. It's fine because you're still getting a story. Yeah, you're still getting a story. And being that... A lot of these characters uh, I, I had just happened to know show up in Borderlands 3. There is some amount of hard canon that needs to come out of this. Yeah, uh, right. But but yeah, you, you'll get moments like this and they're, they're pretty good. I just like out of nowhere being asked, do you blow this guy's mind or break his heart? Like, yeah, whoa. I was like, I, I, uh, 
You should ask me know. about that other times. I'll be weird about it every time. <laughs> yeah, I kind of hope they have more choices like this where they're very vague. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you're not going to have, like, huge choices in this, I'm sure they will, but I feel like you can get away with, like, having choices like this where you're just like, all right, I don't know what either of these are going to do, so let's just see what happens. Yeah, there's another moment later on where Sasha asks Reese if she can use your, uh, like, stun stick. You've got this stun stick that uh, if you press it against someone, they, they like, back up really hard and uh, you can you can kill people with it. Mm-hmm. And you, you at this point don't know if Sasha completely trusts you or that you should completely trust her. And... Uh, you're you're given the option to say no you can't or or yes you can or if you promise not to hurt me um <laughs> and uh that that was a pretty good choice too it turns out that i i let her use it and uh she just sort of <laughs> uses it against the dead body which is uh not calming <laughs> but uh <laughs> did not hurt me so I, it's a good characters getting to know each other kind of choice. That that was one of my favorite scenes, how Sasha takes out her bandit pretty easily. And then uh, Reese mm-hmm. does not do a great job with his. And I just love how uh, casual the bandit is. He's like, uh, he's I, not doing it. <laughs> yeah, he's like says over to her. Yeah, oh, he's not. Yeah. And, is that and also you? yeah is that you is this a joke is that you and then later he's like wait wait is is this for real or is this this a joke (laughs) he's like genuinely confused i will say i feel like of this style of uh telltale game i think this is probably the funniest one so far like i kind of feel like once we started doing like walking dead and stuff we kind of stopped doing like linguistic gymnastics just because they're not really it felt like they weren't really based around trying to be that anymore but here it feels like no, this it, we can still be funny. Yeah, there's there's a lot of meme stuff in certain characters in this, like Loaderbot and, and other things like that that just come out. And when they do, I don't enjoy it. Uh, but a lot of the like base level writing of this game feels a lot like the same kind of tone as Monkey Island. Yeah, uh, I actually which I have did not some. expect. Do you have any linguistic gymnastics this week? Because I have a few. Um. Yeah, there's a bandit that comes up to Vaughn and Fiona when they're outside of the racetrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and the bandit goes, Ah, an odd pair. We got glasses face and hat lady. Because <laughs> 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 I just like that a lot. Um, That's how they will be known. Yeah. Uh, there, there was also... There's this moment where Shade who is this, uh, like, the proprietor of the place you're meeting in. The museum, the world of curiosities. Yeah, he's following Fiona in through the, the air ducts. And he he just says, I want to follow you because you seem cool and I want to be friends. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you have the option of letting him follow you or not. Uh-huh. And I said, no, I'm trying to do a sneaky thing. Go away. <laughs> I'm doing my own thing. And in the upper left-hand corner of the screen says, Shade is used to rejection. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Did you let him follow you? I let him because I felt like he owns this, but he could totally sell me out if he wanted. 
No, he's used to rejection. (laughs) He's used to rejection. Well, I didn't know that at the time. I just thought, if I say no to this guy, there's nothing stopping him from, like, giving away where I am. How did that go? He just followed me. He was on his best behavior. He stayed quiet? Wow. Well, he didn't stay quiet. He was still, like, talking. But, like, he he didn't, didn't like, give me... He didn't give me away. Cool. Yeah, I was like, hey, you can stay, but please shut up. So, uh, do you have some linguistic gymnastics? I have a few, uh, not a whole lot, but, um, one is after the battle with Loderbot. Um, I actually liked Loderbot. (laughs) I, I, I didn't necessarily like think the things he was saying were that funny, but I was like, you are doing a good job of protecting me and just being a bro here today. And I like that, um, once he's done, he gets torn apart. Reese says, uh. I'll name my firstborn Loderbot. Well, you know, I I, I probably won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another is after you blow uh, August's mind, and you you just give him this big inspirational speech. You're like, you're a winner, and he gets down on his knees and he says, "I am a winner, Reese. I am a winner." <laughs> <laughs> and and another one I had uh, was. It's when August is on the phone with um, uh, Vasquez, mm-hmm. and you see it from Reese's point of view. And uh, when Vasquez is on the phone with him, he says, uh, "Okay, okay, see you. Say say hi to your mother for me." <laughs> and then he hangs up. But then when you see it from Fiona's perspective, and uh, she's listening to August, August says, "Oh yeah, will you tell your mother?" He hung up. <laughs> <laughs> you can see him getting yeah. really angry about it. <laughs> I thought that was a fun little payoff. Yeah, that was that was good. There, if they if they keep this pace up with these characters, um, I think they're really strong, like Dungeons yeah. and Dragons characters that could go a long way, uh, especially through something that we know is just going to be five episodes. There, there's mm-hmm. there, there's some good ground being laid here. Yeah, I have a good feeling about all these guys. Like, I like. Uh, I don't need I, to see August again, though. It, I, I yeah. Feel. I, I just mean like this immediate group. Yeah, uh, I mean... I know I, we talked about Vaughn maybe <laughs> a weak link. But well, um, I mean, it, yeah, it's more just his voice. There. Yeah, um, but I like the others. I, even Vaughn, I think, is like fine. But I mean, uh, I do kind of... So I, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. My, my current guess as to what's going to happen... Is that Vaughn and Sasha won't make it? Ooh, interesting. Uh, I kind of got that vibe too. Because we see too. Fiona and Reese on their own in the desert in the in media res intro. Yeah, I kind of hope that's not how it goes. I like both of them. Yeah, I'm. Well, uh, <laughs> golden <laughs> moment, Dustin. Our final segment. Uh, no, it's not. We didn't do weekly guy. Well, yeah, we'll do Weekly Guy first, and then we'll do Golden Moment, our final segment. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm glad that's settled. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who's your Weekly Guy? I think it's Zero. Interesting. I really that's a like good Zero. choice. I don't think you could go wrong with like anyone in this episode, as far as Weekly Guy goes. Who's yours? I like Shade. <laughs> I, I had Shade written as a possible... Um, yeah i had a few written down uh i did like Loderbot, but i didn't go with him but i think shade makes a he's he's very fun i almost said sasha i feel like she's a fun character yeah i had zero as my 
the one I settled on. I also had Shade written down. And I also was strongly thinking about Reese and Fiona, who are, uh, you know, four protagonists. They are pretty characterful. Uh, yeah. You'll, you'll, I, I think Reese in this is Guybrush Threepwood. Uh, and I didn't know that I would be uh, graced with that. And that's a very yeah. fun thing. He, I kind of got the impression that he was just going to be kind of your, like, typical cool guy main character. Like, heh, I got this. I got the robot. Yeah, he is here. Troy Baker. Yeah, so, so I thought yeah. I thought that's what I was going to get. So I'm glad that they give him some more uh, humor, some more uh, lighter moments with him than just, heh, I got this. Yeah, and Guybrush Threepwood is kind of spread out across both him and Fiona. Because Fiona is a is a fumbler fiona will fumble yeah. sometimes but is still very adept at a lot of what she does and uh is yeah. not um idiotic to a fault in the same way that guybrush is not uh, mm-hmm. so they're they're good characters too but i i like shade i like zero yeah they made they're... bigger impressions on me i just like every time bossa nova and zero square up <laughs> yeah it, it just, just feels cool. like there's this long-standing lore there probably is of <laughs> bossa nova uh just like, oh this fucking guy <laughs> i am <laughs> up to my ankles in this guy i am putting an end to this right now <laughs> for sure and i don't time. care who sees <laughs> I'll, i'm stopping everything to take care of it <laughs> uh yeah and shade's great too i i like him I, there's more because of... i because he's <laughs> used to rejection (laughs) yeah i shade has like this goofy scary face but i like that he's not really like a scary guy i mean he's first he looked like he was wearing someone's skin because his face is so weird yeah he he really he really comes across as a guy who's like oh i'm the really slimy guy who will like sell you out like i'm gonna i have a big smile on my face that's gonna make you think i'm like this cool like hey buddy and then he kind of betrays you but no it as far as i know as far as this episode goes he is just kind of like hey let's hang out yeah he really just wants to like play a board game yeah (laughs) spend some time smelling each other yeah nothing weird about it nothing weird don't have to make it it could just be like a thing we do yeah we can just call up domino's and order a foot lover's pizza it'll be fine (laughs) foot lovers (laughs) uh what's your golden moment i just like the whole race at the end i love like big battle royale shit like this um it's it's very high intensity and it cuts across just like every character all of our like big group of characters constantly cutting back and forth between them constantly lots of stuff going on uh it really amps up the adrenaline in a way that uh, i thought was very fun yeah there's some good like marvel style choreography going on in this race Mm-hmm. Um, but also the thing I really like about like it is D&D like you culmination point to me, right? But the thing I really like about it was, uh, you your characters are not necessarily the center of attention. Like I said, it's no. like a big battle royale. In your attention, they're your focus, but like there's so much shit going on around him. Like there's the shit with Bossa Nova and Zero going on that you're not even like a part of that much. Yeah, uh, at least at this point. And so it's it's just this feeling of, oh, all this shit going on. I just got to focus on what's important to me right now. 
Yeah, I, I, I like that part a lot. Uh, my golden moment, I will have to just say, is Busy Earning by Jungle. Just the song <laughs> uh, showing up. Yeah. It's a Especially bop. since you, it's a good you learned... One. It is a good, but you also got more out of it when you looked up its uh, <laughs> very brief history. Yeah, between halfway through September and halfway through November of 2014, it was in most major releases of that time period. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very silly. I don't know why that happened. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm glad it came up in a silly episode. Yeah, what a silly thing to to do to like a good song in a <laughs> in a well performance video game. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I think that'll be our episode. I think so. I think uh, that's a good place to leave off. Yeah, at the end. Uh, so join us next time as we will go into episode two of Tales from the Borderlands. I'm excited. I'm I'm very excited going forward. G- good vibes, good vibes coming off of this Borderlands character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know what? I think this guy's got a future. Okay, and until next time, we'll see ya. So long.